from APM American Public Media. This is the American Radio Works podcast. I'm Stephen Smith. The furor over teaching of intelligent design, a form of creationism, seems to have faded from the headlines since federal courts ruled it could not be taught in America's public schools. But the issue of what gets included in school textbooks still causes tensions in districts across the country. At the beginning of this school year, some angry parents in Brevard County, Florida, told their school board they believed a Prentice Hall world history book was indoctrinating their children with radical Islamic teachings. This month, the Tennessee Textbook Commission decided to pull the plug on the purchase of new social studies books after some parents complained about some editions having too much content about Islam and too little about Christianity. In November, Texas is set to officially adopt new science textbooks, which will be used in classrooms there for the next decade. It is clear there will be a battle over how high school biology books will explain evolution and the origins of the universe. Religious conservative parents want the books to leave room for their children to consider alternatives to evolution and the Big Bang origin of the universe. Other parents are concerned that creationists will prevent Texas children from getting a 21st century science education. Several members of the Texas Board of Education hold creationist views, and they've nominated reviewers of the new books who do not accept evolution as scientific truth. For the past five years, reporter Trey Kay has studied the culture war battles in America's public schools. Here on the podcast in 2010, we featured his documentary, The Great Textbook War, which was about a violent struggle over the adoption of multicultural textbooks that occurred in West Virginia back in 1974. Recently, Trey Kay has been looking at the past 50 years of Texas's struggles over public school education. He found conflicts over just about every academic subject, but debates over history, evolution, and God and country seem to generate the most heat. This week on the podcast, we present Trey Kay's new documentary, The Long Game, Texas's ongoing battle for the direction of the classroom. We cannot lose Texas. If we lose the education in Texas, we lose the entire country. The Lone Star State is battling over what children should be taught about history, evolution, God, and country. It's a battle of good versus evil, the kingdom of God versus the kingdom of the devil. Those battles could affect classrooms all over the nation. Why should a, a handful of liberals totally control what's going on in our textbooks? Their teacher is saying that they would design a flag for a communist country. I mean, that can get people really riled up, you know? I've equated it to a 21st century book burning. This is just an absolute political witch hunt. Coming up, the long game. Texas's ongoing battle for the direction of the classroom. Hi, I'm Trey Kay. You know, when it comes to getting the news, I'm kind of a flipper. By that, I mean I flip to news all over the political spectrum. Republican purge. What's my hardball? I turn on MSNBC until I feel compelled to flip over and see what's happening on Fox News. Caution. You are about to enter the no-spin zone. The fact it begins right now. When I'm driving, my car has a setting for my local NPR station. And another setting for Rush Limbaugh and Glenn Beck. This is the Glenn Beck program. In the fall of 2012, 
Something on the Glenn Beck radio program grabbed my attention. I wanted to bring Mike in because uh, Michael Pelka is uh, uh, works for the Blaze, and he's on a story that has actually come from a 912 group in Texas, right? If you've never heard of 912 groups, it's a concept that was created by Glenn Beck several years ago. The idea was to create a movement that encouraged Americans to return to that sense of unity that they experienced right after the September 11th attacks. 912ers pledge to practice principles and values derived from the nation's founders. There's a lot of 912 and Tea Party activity in Texas. Yes, uh, last night we were contacted by a 912 group, and uh, they're Tea Partiers too, who were saying that there's a big issue in Texas, and it started with their notification that the Boston Tea Party is being taught in the schools as an act of terrorism. Right, right, right. 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 I mean, look what they did. They threw tea over the side of a boat. They were terrorists. If that's not terrorism, I don't know what is. The lesson that Beck and his team were referring to was taken from a set of readings and activities used in Texas schools called C-Scope. Pelka also told Beck about other C-Scope lessons, which dealt with the subject of Islam. The Middle East chapter will raise the hairs on the back of your neck. Beck called on his audience to stand up and take action. This is what's being taught in your schools. This is why you can actually have an impact. You can, because it is local. And if we grab control of local, we win. It's a longer battle, but they are infecting our children. They've already done it, and we've already lost. In 2012, Beck moved his family and much of his media operation to the Dallas-Fort Worth area. He told his audience that he was drawn to Texas's thriving economy lack of government regulation, and high concentration of people of faith. When this C-Scope story broke, he reacted like a lifelong Texan defending the Alamo. If you're in Texas, hear me. Get this out of the school. Do it now. It is, it is underway right now, and it will cripple our country and our children. Warning. Warning. I believe this is why we were, I believe this is why we were moving to Texas. I really do. To begin to expose this. What Beck is up in arms about is hardly a new battle. Concern over what is taught in public school classrooms has been going on in America for generations. But for the past half century, fights in Texas, fights over the content of social studies, science, and sex education, have been particularly intense. The recent controversy over C-Scope is just the latest chapter. So what is this terrifying thing called C-Scope? Well, to better understand it, we need to go back to Texas of 1995. That's when newly elected governor George W. Bush pushed for education reform in Texas. My plan makes our public schools this state's number one priority. At the time, states around the country were setting education standards to try to make sure that school children were actually learning something. Governor Bush set the lofty goal of helping all Texas children learn to read at grade level by the time they were in the third grade. The state will pay for that extra help so that no child, no child in this great state is left behind and every child learns to read. Reading is freedom. During Governor Bush's first term, he pushed the Texas legislature to pass a new education code. It established new standards and called for rigorous end-of-year exams in each academic subject to make sure that the standards were mastered. This concept went on to become the act known as No Child Left Behind, which President Bush signed into law in 2001. 
But back to Texas. Covering all the new standards in a school year was a challenge for some districts who weren't able to hire a staff of curriculum writers. Some of the poorer districts started sharing lesson plans. They worked with regional education service centers that helped small Texas districts manage the scope and sequence of the state's curriculum. And they decided to call this system C-Scope. Some of the early results were positive. Robert, you've probably heard the phrase, do it first, ask questions later. Well, that has become the new secret for success among students at Lano ISD who are using a new curriculum in the classroom and seeing some pretty impressive results. By 2012, C-Scope was being used in over 70% of Texas school districts. When the bell rings at Lano Junior High School, Students seem to be more excited on their way to class than they used to be. But not everyone was a fan. I'm Janice Van Cleve. I'm a retired Texas school teacher and an author of science investigation books for kids. Van Cleve has written more than 50 books for publishers like Prentice Hall and John Wiley and Sons, with titles like Teaching the Fun of Physics and Chemistry for Every Kid, 101 Experiments That Work. Her books are very popular with homeschooling families. Hi. Well, welcome to cool, rainy Texas. She and her husband live in the countryside, just outside of Waco. They have a comfortable ranch house on a piece of land that sits alongside a railroad track. A couple of years ago, Van Cleve offered to help tutor kids in math and science for an after-school program. The kids she was working with were from an elementary school that had failed the Texas Science and Math Standards Test for five years straight. So obviously they needed some help. So I said, okay, no problem. So I... The school was using the C-Scope curriculum. Van Cleve made an appointment with the school and asked to see the C-Scope lessons. So that I'm teaching the children the same technique, the same everything, and in order that they were doing it. Uh, the woman she met at the school was a C-Scope monitor who was there to help the school implement the C-Scope lesson plans. Van Cleve says the woman showed her a C-Scope lesson. And, so I, and I didn't like it. I found some errors in it, so I just told her about it. And I said, well, you know, there's some errors in this, and, but if I find any, I'll just tell you. Van Cleve asked if she could see more lessons. The woman told her that she had signed a non-disclosure agreement with C-Scope and wasn't authorized to share any more of the lessons. So Van Cleve made an appointment with the director of curriculum and instruction from the local school district. And was she not nice? not nice at all, was very hostile, wanted to know why I wanted to see these lessons. I'm going, I'm here to defend myself, you know, I mean, that's how she treated me. The director and wouldn't I, let her see any more lessons. You can't see them. I said, well, what about parents? Can parents see these lessons? No, they would not. At that time, that was in 2011, they did not even allow parents to see them. Now Van Cleve's suspicions were raised. She set up a website and put out a call to teachers. Before long, teachers from various districts around the state were anonymously sending her C-Scope lessons. So tell, okay. me, tell me about this. Okay, here we go. Terrorism. Sitting in her living room, she uses her laptop to pull up the Boston Tea Party lesson that outraged Glenn Beck. So if we're doing a lesson on terrorism, we obviously are going to talk about terrorists. Let's see if we can find that part of the Engage. Here we go. Here's the instructions were for the teacher to read a scenario to the students that made it seem like what they were hearing was something that had happened recently at a nearby location. Okay. So that sets the stage. All right. So here they say, news report. A local militia, believed to be a terrorist organization, attacked the property of private citizens today at the port. 
Although no one was injured in the attack, a large quantity of merchandise considered to be valuable to its owners and loathsome to the perpetrators was destroyed. The terrorists, dressed as natives and apparently intoxicated, were able to escape into the night with the help of local citizens who harbored these fugitives and concealed their identities from the authorities. It is believed that the terrorist attack was a response to the policies enacted by the occupying country's government. I was livid when I saw this. Now, does that describe the Boston Tea Party to you? It doesn't describe it to how I was taught and would want it taught. They were patriots. Then Van Cleve shows me a lesson about Islam's five pillars of faith. I believe in Allah and in Muhammad as his prophet. There is no God but Allah. There is no God but Allah. Excuse me. Allah is not my God, and he's not my children's God, and I hope he's not yours. If he is, that's your choice. But I do not want my children taught that Allah is the only God. Well, that may sound like a right-wing, conservative, religious fanatic. And, buddy, that's exactly what I am. Proud of it. Van Cleve says she spoke about the C-Scope lessons with her daughter, Ginger Russell, who is a Tea Party activist. The mother-daughter team started a campaign to protest C-Scope and began talking to the media. I have found lessons where they had kids drawing new communist flags, very pro-Islamic, having kids learning verses out of the Koran, and uh, just a very socialist, communist, collective type uh, philosophy involved in it. Russell and Van Cleve encouraged people to contact local and state board of education members and posted testimonials about C-Scope on websites and YouTube. Then Russell tipped off Glenn Beck and Fox News picked up the story. The concerns over C-Scope were taken up in the 2013 session of the Texas legislature. Senate Committee on Education will come to order. Good morning, everyone. We state Senator Dan Patrick, a Republican and chair of the Senate Education Committee, called C-Scope representatives into a packed hearing room. The claim is made, which I uh, assume is correct, that they are in over 800 districts with their curriculum and lesson plans. Senators wanted to know, why was there a non-disclosure agreement that excluded parents from seeing lesson plans? Terry Smith, speaking on behalf of C-Scope, tried to explain that it was just a misunderstanding. It's always been the intention of C-Scope to allow teachers and school districts to share C-Scope content with parents. It's a parent's right to play an active role in a child's education. It was brought to our attention that our user agreement that we asked teachers to accept before accessing the site, that there was language in there that was misinterpreted and it created confusion for our districts. And, and that is on us. Uh, you know, that's not, that's not the fault of the teachers that that was misinterpreted. Smith and others explained that the reason for the non-disclosure agreement was to protect C-Scope's intellectual property. They were concerned that publishers or competitors might steal content from their lessons. But the senator's toughest questions were about the controversial lesson plans. Senator Larry Taylor wanted to know more about a social studies lesson about communism. You heard the, the uh, comments about designing a uh, socialist communist flag for a new country. You know, I'd like an explanation of what the purpose of that lesson plan is. I believe we should get that to you. I think that I when you, you look, uh, we will. When someone uh, says, do you know what those kids are doing in school? 
their teacher assigned that they would design a flag for a communist country. Well, I mean, that can get people really riled up. That's James Crockett, a professor of curriculum and instruction at Texas A&M University. In 1997, and again in 2010, he was a key advisor in helping the Texas State Board of Education write the standards for social studies. He didn't write any of the C-scope lessons, but he thought many of them did a good job to address the state's rigorous standards. But many of the senators at the C-scope hearing didn't seem to share that opinion. We've already seen two examples I find very egregious as an American and as a Texan to be taught in my schools that I'm helping to pay for, where my kids have gone to school, I find it very egregious. I want to know who's reviewing me. Almost all the discussion was about social studies because that's the embodiment of our set of national values. Why are kids designing a flag for a belief system and a governmental system that threatened to conquer us, run us off the face of the earth? But Kroc thought the critics were distorting what the C-Scope lessons were about. The teachers wanted the children to learn how government works. They wanted to be sure the kids understood what really drove that governmental system. So a nice assessment for that would be to design a flag for a communist nation and use symbols that would represent the key values of communism. So, you know, if you take that thing out of context, it looks like the schools have gone off the deep end, that liberals are threatening national values. And Christian values. Senator Patrick had questions about the balance of teaching world religions. Was there a full lesson on Islam? Was there a full lesson on Buddhism? Okay, these are the old standards. Hinduism? I would have to go back and... Christianity? So the only full lesson that you had was Islam. Again, I would have to see it as well, but I will tell you, if the standard says you will address these four major uh, religions, that's what we taught in that year. No, 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 ma'am, I'm sorry. The lesson plan has no intent to try to convert students to be a practicing Muslim. Dr. Crock says C-Scope's world religion lesson plans were trying to help students think like social scientists. They have to look at the understandings and tenets of those religions on their own basis. Here's what these folks believe. And I don't believe that any good social scientist should be casting judgment on those religions. They should not be saying, here's why Confucianism is a weak religion. You know, we don't, we don't do that. Uh, we try to examine them as objectively as possible about what their, what their beliefs are and try to explain that. And with this, Dr. Crockett puts his finger on where Texans are stuck. One side advocates to have teachers lay out the facts before students and have them draw their own conclusions. And the other side believes that there should be some values added into the mix to help guide the students. And, and you put us in a tough position because if, if this were an airline hearing, basically all the problems you're having with your plane today, we ground you. Amen. Okay? We, no outburst, please. We would ground you. But we can't unplug you yet. The hearing so before the Senate the Education Committee lasted just short of seven hours. And it seemed that the answer to each question caused Senator Patrick and his colleagues more and more concern about Cisco. So you've put us all in a very, very difficult position. 
As it turns out, over the next few months, C-Scope was grounded. In the face of intense media and legislative pressure, the organizers of C-Scope retreated from the battlefield by discontinuing the distribution of lesson plans. They did this mostly in an effort to keep their powder dry. The battle isn't really over, and we'll hear more about C-Scope later. It's just the latest in a long series of Texas battles over education. Coming up, the Texas couple who pioneered the fight against the education establishment. The values which most Americans hold dear have been censored from textbooks. The very values that we need to foster if we want to continue as a moral nation. When our program continues. You're listening to The Long Game, Texas's ongoing battle for the direction of the classroom. I'm Trey Kay. Over the next few years, public schools across the country are gradually preparing for what some consider to be a controversial program, Common Core Curriculum Standards. Advocates of Common Core say that national standards will make it so that students from any state can compete on a level playing field. But some parents and political activists see Common Core as the federal government meddling in business that is best handled at the local level. A subset of that group see Common Core as Orwellian government indoctrination. For now, the majority of the states and the District of Columbia have signed on to Common Core standards. But Texas is one of the notable holdouts. In a way, it's in Texans' DNA to see themselves as leaders rather than followers. It's one of the few American states that once was a sovereign republic. In the past, Texas has been a bellwether for determining the direction of the nation's education. This 1984 ABC News report sums up Texas's role in choosing the nation's textbooks. In the billion-dollar textbook business, Texas places the nation's largest single order, $65 million, so it's generally agreed that as Texas goes in textbooks, so goes the nation. We always America has a long tradition of citizen activism regarding what kids learn in school. And no one has had a bigger impact than Texans Mel and Norma Gabler. The values which most Americans hold dear have been censored from textbooks. The very values that we need to foster if we want to continue as a moral nation. Why should a, a handful of liberals totally control what's going on in, in our textbooks. For more than four decades, these mom and pop citizen watchdogs played a major role in forcing the Texas education system and the giant national textbook publishing industry to take note of the values of patriotic, conservative Christian parents. In the early 1960s, Mel and Norma lived in Hawkins, a tiny East Texas town situated around one intersection and the trains that run by. Patsy Cline's I Fall to Pieces had the number one spot on Billboard's country chart when the Gabler's son, Jim, was puzzled by his ninth grade history assignment. What I remember is that I had to learn the Gettysburg Address. These days, Jim Gabler is in his 60s and lives in Phoenix. He's retired from a career as an IT director in the healthcare business. But back when he was in junior high school, the assignment was to find a source that contained the text of Lincoln's address. 
he went to the World Book Encyclopedia on his parents' shelf. Inside the volume, he noticed a photo of the famous speech as it is etched into the wall of the Lincoln Memorial. Below the photo, the speech was written out on the page. He compared the two versions. I noticed that under God was not in the text, but it was in the picture. Jim showed his parents how the World Book had omitted under God from Lincoln's speech. That's what really what triggered them to start taking a look at what was actually in textbooks. So from their kitchen table in Hawkins, Mel and Norma Gabler launched a textbook reviewing enterprise they called Education Research Analysts. The couple conducted the reviews. Norma read through the books while their boys were at school, and Mel did in the evenings and on the weekends when he wasn't at his clerk job for the Humble Oil Company. The operation was sustained by Mel's income. And so the Gablers, they developed a, a very meticulous system for going through the textbooks line by line. That's William Martin a professor of religion and public policy at Rice University. He says the Gablers pioneered a metric for religious conservative citizens to measure textbook content. And as they investigated, they found out that uh, citizens could go to the Texas State Board of Education, which had the textbooks that were under consideration, were available to be examined, and then you could testify for them or against them at public hearings. Norma was the one who'd make the trip to Austin for the Board of Education meetings. At one meeting, the person that was the chair kind of leaned back and said, Ms. Gabler, what gives you the right to tell us how we should do our job? And my mother, to her credit, came up with three reasons. And one of them was that they pay taxes, so they pay for the books. They, they provide the children. And the third reason was the law gives them the mechanism to be there. One of the publishers told me about two years ago, we laughed at you every time you stood up. We, all, we took you as one big joke. I smiled and I said, you don't laugh anymore. And he said, no way, we'd rather face anybody in the nation than you. In 1965, the Gablers moved their family and textbook reviewing operation to a bigger house about 30 miles east in the larger town of Longview. When we moved there, it was a normal house. Um, over time, it became harder and harder to find a place to even sit down and so forth. This was because the textbook reviewing operation literally took over the whole house. Bill Martin visited the Gablers back in the 1980s when he was writing a feature story for Texas Monthly. Their home was filled with uh, just walking through the hallways. It was just like walking through the corridors, narrow corridors of a warehouse where they had had the book stacked up in their research and one or two people in there working away. As the Gablers' reputation grew, textbook authors understood that they were a force to be reckoned with. And sometimes that reckoning might happen face to face. Yeah, I was a young college professor. That's Richard Bain, geography professor at Texas State University. I met him for breakfast at his favorite place, Cafe on the Square in the town of San Marcos, where he told me about his early experience of writing geography textbooks. I had been invited by my publishing company to attend the textbook hearings in uh, Austin with the school board. So, of course, I marched in proud as a peacock because here I was, the author of this textbook. And uh, shortly after I arrived, I found out that of the nine textbooks that were up for adoption that year, that mine was the one that was, had been subjected to scrutiny by the Gablers from East Texas. Bain recalls that two of the Gablers' assistants walked forward with something like a large roller of paper towels. One assistant held the roller 
and one grabbed the other end and unfurled a scroll of pages taped end to end, about 60 or 70 feet. And said, these are the errors that we've found in this geography book. And I'll tell you, I, uh, if, I could, if, if I could squirm down low and get beneath the seats and crawl out of the room, that's what I was thinking about at that particular moment. Bain learned the hard way what many of Gabler's critics were forced to admit. They were darn good at ferreting out factual errors. ABC News cited some of the mistakes found by the Gablers in books for a social studies adoption. One book says Napoleon's victories included Waterloo. Actually, Napoleon suffered his most famous defeat at Waterloo. On the Korean War, it says the United States settled the conflict by using the bomb. But an atomic bomb was never used in Korea. I worked for Mr. Gabler 22 years before he died, and he never tried to hurry me through a project. That's Neil Fry, a thin bookish man with thick horn-rimmed glasses, who used to be a college history professor. He caught many errors for the Gablers over the years. Fry says Mr. Gabler insisted on a meticulous review process because... The only way you can prove that you're not stupid to a secular liberal is to master detail better than they do. And if you master detail better than a secular liberal does, they will respect you. Otherwise, they'll despise you if you don't. But after you show them a few times that you've mastered detail of the details of textbook content and of the textbook adoption process, as well as or better than they have, they will back off and respect you. Finding factual errors gave the Gablers clout to address other issues, such as choice of content. In one reading anthology, Mel was troubled by some of the story selections. They were overwhelmingly negative. Maybe five or six stories on death or suicide or cruelty or morbidness and so forth. One of the stories was Shirley Jackson's short story classic, The Lottery, which is about a community stoning ritual passed down from generation to generation. After the Gabler's protests, the State Board of Education told several publishing companies that their anthologies could not be sold in Texas if they included the lottery. But in a way, it didn't really matter what the subject was, because to the Gablers, everything taught in the public schools was tainted by a pernicious religion called humanism. The religion in which men have faith in mankind instead of faith in God. And humanism is prevalent in our textbooks from cover to cover, in all grades and all subjects. Since Texas purchased such large quantities of books, the Gabler's book reviews had national implications. Her name is Norma Gabler, and she is formidable. Mike Wallace of 60 Minutes interviewed the Gablers back in 1980. She has been called education's public enemy number one. Who is she? Well, she is simply a housewife, the mother of three sons, and a grandmother, too. And though she's never gone to college when Norma Gabler speaks, the education establishment of the state of Texas listens. Every child should not have to sit in the classroom and read a profanity and gutter language. You have an opportunity to read the textbooks. Go to Austin and tell them what you don't want in the books. It's your money, it's your children, and you have that right. Wallace asked publishers and academics just how influential the Gablers were. Tom Murphy is vice president of the textbook division of CBS-owned Holt Reinhardt. Has Murphy's publishing house ever changed material to suit the Gablers? Yes, we did. They probably had more influence on the use of textbooks in this country than any other two people. In a 10-year period, the last 10 years, they've become more and more of a force for publishers to contend with. If we want to sell the book, we are either faced with the dilemma of changing the material 
or not changing the material and, and taking the risk of not selling the material. In the 1980s, after the Gablers and other groups protested the teaching of evolution, the Texas Board of Education forced publishers to stamp disclaimers in biology textbooks that read, any material on evolution included in this book is clearly presented as theory rather than verified fact. This stamp appeared in textbooks that were used in classrooms across the nation. Mel Gabler died in 2004 and Norma in 2007. Neil Fry continues the Gabler's textbook reviewing work. He and his staff of three work out of donated office space in the rear of an old retail store. A trickle of donations keeps the whole operation going. God is leading us. In hindsight, they said, how did Gabler's figure it out? Oh, we didn't figure it out. God just made it fall into place. The Gablers created a method used by conservatives around the country for challenging textbooks. But this strategy has evolved into other ways of bringing conservative, patriotic Christian values into public schools. And that is by electing conservatives to school boards around the country and having them shape the standards that every child has to know. We painted the textbook authors into the corner, into the evolutionists into the corner. Now they have to come up and, and show us what is their arguments, why it is so strong. That's coming up when the long game Texas's ongoing battle for the direction of the classroom continues. You're listening to The Long Game, Texas's ongoing battle for the direction of the classroom. I'm Trey Kay. In 1987, the United States Supreme Court ruled that creationism couldn't be taught in public schools. In 2005, a federal court in Pennsylvania ruled that theories like intelligent design also couldn't be taught. But there's one classroom where it's okay to teach alternatives to evolution. We are one in the Spirit. We are one in the Lord. We are one in the Spirit. This is a Sunday school class for fourth graders at Grace Bible Church in College Station, Texas. Don McElroy has taught this class for more than a quarter of a century and he challenges the kids to ponder some heavy okay. concepts. Well, the reason this lesson is so important today, we're going to prove that God exists. Can you prove God exists? You think a fourth grader can prove God exists? Well, I know they can because I, I see it every year. McLeroy says that one of the best ways to help strengthen these students' faith in the Bible is to teach them simple logic proofs. In this class, he shows them how to construct logic syllogisms. Jesus is God as he claimed to be, or he is a bad man. That's premise one. Premise two, Jesus is not a bad man. Okay, so Jesus is God. Therefore, Jesus is God. It's absolutely valid. The statements are absolutely true. McElroy also has his students consider syllogisms that prove that hell exists and that the universe couldn't have been created from nothing or some random cause. In a way, this is what he'd like students in public school to consider as well. At one time, McElroy did have the power to make that happen. He was the chair of the Texas Board of Education in 2009 when the board passed amendments to the science standards. McElroy authored many of the amendments and argued them before the board. If evolution is so true and has no weaknesses, all it does is give them an extra standard to argue for it. Yes, the new standards encourage students to challenge some of the tenets of the theory of evolution. 
they raise doubts about the age of the universe and the reliability of the fossil record. Is the idea of gradual change that must have taken place, it's not supported by the fossil record. It's an insufficiency. What we've done with those standards is we painted the textbook authors into the corner, into the evolutionist into the corner. Now they have to come up and, and show us what is their arguments, why it is so strong. What McElroy had done was to take religion out of the debate and to focus on the parts of evolution theory that scientists sometimes have trouble explaining. Science Magazine called Texas's standards a major blow to the teaching of evolution. There's no overt religion in the amendments that Don McElroy introduced into the science, the biology standards in 2009. That's Kathy Miller, president of the Texas Freedom Network. No overt religious references, because by the way, that is unconstitutional and court decisions have made it impossible for Don to introduce that sort of thing. The Texas Freedom Network is a nonprofit advocacy organization that was founded in the mid 90s to counter the agenda of the far right in Texas. But Kathy Miller says that these kinds of battles don't just happen in Texas. The battle over inserting ideology into public school classrooms doesn't just live in Texas or happen in Texas. It is a long-standing battle throughout the trajectory of American history. And in Texas, we have a kind of petri dish where they grow the cultures to see which of those ideological aspects will be most easily adopted into the classroom and which ones need more tweaking. Don't undermine the religious faith of these students. That's their major goal. That's Stephen Schaffersman, president of Texas Citizens for Science, a group that fights to keep religion out of science classes in Texas schools. He says that since religious alternatives can't be taught, Conservatives like McElroy are looking to present evolution theory as something that seems unsettled. They only put in material that suggests that there are problems with evolution. That's enough to confuse and mislead students so that students will then come to believe more what they learn in church and Sunday school. The churches and the Sunday schools are teaching these students creationism. The schools are teaching evolution. Which one are they going to believe? The science standards have been in place in Texas for nearly four years, and so far the sky hasn't fallen. As a matter of fact, in a recent report compiled by the National Center for Education Statistics, Texas public school students have outscored the rest of the nation in science. This may be because teachers are careful in navigating the controversy. Deborah Miller, a science teacher at the Hudson Independent School District in Lovekin, says that there is a need to diffuse tension every year when she teaches the unit on the origins of the universe. Before we get to the Big Bang Theory, we do go in the whole long discussion on it is not my role to change your beliefs, it's not my role to shake your beliefs, I am simply going to teach you the scientific evidence, the scientific theory that is there. But this disclaimer doesn't always pacify students and their parents. Miller told me about a student who, with parental support, protested the origins of the universe unit taught in her class. On all his work for that whole unit, um, tests, quizzes, whatever it would be, he would deliberately answer the questions incorrectly. And for every fill in the blank, he would write, you are an atheist. Miller says her student flunked the Big Bang unit, but managed to do fine with the rest of the course. In a way, this student's protest mirrors the whole controversy. 
99% of the heated debate isn't over chemistry, physics, or earth science, but rather on topics that some feel leave little room for belief in a creator. But individual protests by students aren't enough for some people. There's a statewide war going on right now over what content teachers teach in the classroom. Major changes in the curriculum are headed for Texas schools. C-Scope, the online management tool, received criticism from lawmakers about a few of its lessons. Ablett Remember C-Scope, the online lesson plans that outraged Glenn Beck and the retired school teacher Janice Van Cleve? Thank you for coming. Well, on May 20th, 2013, Texas Senator Dan Patrick called a press conference and announced that the Texas developed lesson plans used by more than 70% of the state school districts were now a thing of the past. And late last night, I received a letter signed by all 20 uh, members of the uh, Cisco board that this Friday, they will officially vote to end the Cisco lesson program. As politicians spoke before clicking cameras, there was a feeling of ding dong, the witch is dead. Couldn't be a more exciting day for us on the education committee. We identified something that was shrouded in secrecy that affected the education for our children, made it difficult for parents to find out what was being taught to our children. You know, this is a great example of what happens when moms and dads across the state of Texas come together and get involved in their children's education. Not everyone was jubilant. I've equated it to a 21st century book burning, a political end zone dance. I, I don't know how many different analogies I can draw to this as just an absolute political witch hunt, hatchet job, whatever you want. That's Thomas Ratliff, a Republican member of the Texas State Board of Education, who says that many of the parents in his region supported C-Scope. Parents trust their teachers. There are always exceptions to that, but by and large, they trust the teacher, they trust the principal, they probably know half of the school board members because they go to church with them or they work with them or they see them at the Walmart or at the grocery store. So I just don't believe that this is a parent-driven controversy or a parent-driven revolution. I think this is an extreme faction of the Republican Party that is at the tip of this bayonet. 70% of the districts in Texas currently use the C-Scope lesson plans. In just a few months, they will no longer be available to them. School districts, most of them rural, located all over Texas, were scrambling to come up with an alternative to C-Scope lesson plans. Elizabeth Sines, the superintendent of Corpus Christi's West Oso School District, is driving me around her city. Veterans Park. So this is uh, West Oso, and um, it's mostly referred to the Molina area for a street named Molina. So, and that's where uh, the Selena uh, Quintanilla, the singer, grew up in this area. She's talking about Selena, the queen of Tejano music, who was murdered back in 1995. The sun beats down hard on this West Oso Molina area. You can smell the sea salt from the Gulf of Mexico. There are long stretches of fields growing cotton, alfalfa, and sorghum that border the community. There are other people riding in the car with us. You, you are uh, George Barrera. But, and what, what do you do? I'm the board president here at West Oso okay. ISD. And okay. he grew up in the community. And I'm from the community and work in the oil field. So you work in the oil fields, but you're the board president. Right. Unfortunately, they don't pay us enough <laughs> as board presidents. So. Zero. People in West Oso live in rows of colorfully painted cottages situated on tiny plots of land 
The yards are uniformly neat and decorated with flowering garden baskets and statues of Catholic saints. What is, what would you say, like the income base of this uh, community? I think we're like at 83% economically disadvantaged here in the community and um, almost 100% minority, you know, African-American and Mexican-American. The majority of the West Oso community and the students in the schools are Latino. In 2011, Latinos for the first time became the largest ethnicity in all of Texas's public schools. Arturo Amandaris is also riding with us. He is the superintendent of the neighboring Cal Allen School District. He tells me that economically challenged districts like his and Mrs. Sines have trouble keeping up with all the standards mandated by the Texas State Board of Education. We used C-Scope extensively in all grade levels and in all uh, core subject areas. Uh, as a superintendent, I've always felt that it was one of the best things that ever happened in the state of Texas. Why was it one of the best things? All of us were having to develop our own lesson plans over the years. When C-Scope finally got started, I was quite thrilled about it, to be very honest with you. It was uh, being successful and we were adapting it and changing it as we needed to. So, you know, no big deal. Every year we had updates, every year we looked at it, we perfected it. So it all became very obvious when, you know, our scores, um, especially at the secondary level, just skyrocketed. And it was all a matter of addressing curriculum gaps and really targeting those needs that we felt had been, um, you know, uh, disregarded for many years. For the last five to six years, I, I would, honestly say that one of the reasons we have been academically successful has been because of the use of C-Scope by our teachers. And, and uh, it, it, I'm, I'm still in shock almost that we won't be able to use those lessons anymore. Almondaris thinks the decision to ban the lesson plans is ironic, given that local control is a bedrock principle embraced by most conservative Texans. This state is, is pretty much controlled by conservative Republicans, and I don't have a problem with that, but they always uh, say that they want to give local control, and what they've done here is exactly the opposite in not allowing us to have a choice on which curriculum to use. On his Facebook page, Senator Dan Patrick called on parents to alert his office about schools that were still using C-Scope lessons. He said that he'd forward this information to the Texas Attorney General. I wondered if West Oso's Superintendent Elizabeth Sines was worried about Patrick's warning. Um, we're still going to use those uh, lesson plans because we just don't have the time or the staff or the money to be able to do anything else. And so um, I guess if, if we are going to be arrested for that, then, you know, so be it, because we have to do what we need to do for our students. Districts our like case, West Oso are still using the old C-scope lessons. But in other parts of Texas, teachers are delighted that the lessons are gone. They believe C-scope is a backdoor attempt to bring National Common Core standards to Texas. The controversial curriculum is likely to be a campaign issue in next year's races for governor and lieutenant governor. <laughs> Welcome to the University of Texas at Tyler. I'm Scott Braddock, and this is the C-Scope debate. Thanks so much for coming out tonight. On a hot August night in Tyler, Texas, Senator Dan Patrick, a candidate in the lieutenant governor race, debated C-Scope with Thomas Ratliff, vice chair of the Texas State Board of Education. Ratliff maintained that C-Scope was merely a method to help small school districts manage Texas's rigorous curriculum standards. 
Patrick argued C-Scope aimed to indoctrinate students with anti-American and anti-Christian lessons. Do you think it's a good idea to plant a seed in the minds of a high school student that somehow the founders of this country are the same as 3,000 people that were killed at the hands of 19 terrorists? Do you think there even should be a connection there? Explain that to me, Mr. Rattler. We talk about all the time that our kids, our students, are competing on a national and global scale for jobs. And if we teach them that everybody views everything that happened in the world the same way Americans do, we're setting them up to fail. I would imagine that Pearl Harbor is taught differently in Japan than it is in the United States, but we don't want to talk about it here. But they don't view it the same way. The emotional and intense discussion played out for nearly two hours. Ratliff and Patrick, both Republicans, conveyed very different visions as to the best course for education in Texas. Senator Patrick offered this insight as to what conservative Texans fear about the future of online education content. In the old days, you had a textbook. You knew what your children were learning. They brought it home. You could look at it. You could ask the teacher. Those days are leaving us, and technology is great. It will save us money. It will be good for our students, but only if it's the right lessons, only if it's what we expect our students to learn, only if it supports the values and standards and principles this country was founded upon and families stand by overwhelming majority in support of. Patrick's concern for getting the right lessons into the classroom was almost identical to the concern that textbook watchdog Mel Gabler voiced a little more than 30 years ago. And it's not done suddenly. Most of it's a little bit at a time, just like dripping water wears away stone. It's just a subtle... Gabler, like the critics of C-Scope, was suspicious of an education system that he believed worked to undermine traditional American values. It's a subtle undermining. It starts in kindergarten, goes through grade 12. Gabler believed that ever since John Dewey, the father of modern American education and signer of the Humanist Manifesto, that there had been a steady erosion of the teaching of ultimate divine truths in public schools. And if you're not teaching absolute values, by implication you're telling the kids there are no absolute values. And if everybody can make his own decision, every girl can make her own decision, everything is relative, well then it depends on what you or I decide what is right and wrong. And they are absolute values, which I, we feel should be taught. Culture war battles over education have been going on in Texas ever since Mel and Norma Gabler started reviewing textbooks in East Texas back in 1961. The truth is, the debates have probably been going on a lot longer than that. When you strip away all of the rhetoric and emotion, what the debate boils down to is two different mindsets, fighting to control the direction of educating tomorrow's children. One side believes in an ultimate truth, and the other side believes in a relative or changing truth. And it's unlikely that either side will ever see eye to eye. Neil Fry continues the mission that the Gablers began. I wondered if he thought culture war battles over education would ever end. There are two ways to measure success in textbook battles. Good things you get to happen and bad things you prevent from happening. Gabler's, to my knowledge, never thought that it was going to be an easy battle or a short battle. The battle will go on until Satan is cast into the lake of fire. Until what? Until Satan is cast into the lake of fire. So this really isn't a battle against seculars. This is a battle against Satan. It's a battle of good versus evil. Right? You could uh, The kingdom of God versus the, the kingdom of the devil. And when will it end? I uh, <laughs> I don't know. I expect it's going to go on for a long time. If a significant number of Texans see the determination of children's education content 
as an age-old religious battle, then Neil Fry might be right. It may indeed go on for a long, long time. Ideological battles like this simmer in communities throughout the nation, making it hard to see how Americans can ever really agree on common essentials to teach the next generation. It doesn't bode well for the new Common Core curriculum that's supposed to be fully implemented in schools by the 2014-15 school year. But consider this. Sometimes America's culture war battles over the classroom have been badly handled. Sometimes they've been badly settled. But in the end, perhaps they do force us to think more deeply about these issues. So if we can handle it, maybe we'll do well to just let the discussion continue. You've been listening to The Long Game, Texas's ongoing battle for the direction of the classroom. This program was produced by Trey Kay and edited by Deborah George, with help from Catherine Winter, Jonathan Mitchell, Mia Lobel, Rick Kwan, Alec Hamilton, Carolyn Sandano, and Alex Lovin. Music was created and produced by Michael Lipton and Tristan Lozow. Special thanks to Neil Fry of Education Research Analysts, Renee Jackson of the Texas Education Agency, Tanya Wood of the Texas State Archives, Linnell Hancock, Pat Wingert, Linda Shaw, Jonathan Zimmerman, Nancy Solomon, Arlene Morgan, Kathy Kay, Eleanor Davis, Scott Finn, Sherry Seegers, Fanny Casey, Lou Olkowski, the Kay, Casto, and Cheney Law Firm, West Virginia Public Broadcasting, and Austin Public Radio, KUT. The Long Game was a project made possible by the Spencer Fellowship for Education Reporting at Columbia University's School of Journalism with additional funding provided by the Fund for Investigative Journalism, Marist College, the CRC Foundation, Friends of West Virginia Public Broadcasting, and generous listener support. I'm Trey Kay. You can find a link to more about Trey Kay's documentary, The Long Game, and a range of documentaries and interviews looking at K-12 and higher education at our website, AmericanRadioWorks.org. While you're there, browse the archive of more than 100 documentary projects and let us know what you think of our coverage. That's AmericanRadioWorks.org. We're on Facebook at American.RadioWorks, and you can follow us on Twitter at AMRadioWorks. Support for American Radio Works comes from the Spencer Foundation, Lumina Foundation, and the William and Flora Hewlett Foundation. I'm Stephen Smith. Thanks for listening. This is APM, American Public Media.